Hello, and welcome to the Digital Workspace Works podcast. I'm Ryan Purvis, your host, supported by our producer Heather Bicknell. In this series, you'll hear stories and opinions from experts in the field, stories from the front lines, the problems they face and how they solve them, the areas they're focused on from technology, people and processes, to the approaches they took that will help you to get to the scripts for the digital workspace inner workings. Thing that I wanted to bring you to today, uh, I sent you an article about the the era of the unsackable worker, and it's a slacker's paradise. Uh, and I thought this was quite interesting, purely because of some of the examples these guys gave. Because I, I mean, I've done some of these things, and, and I don't. Well, I said I've done some of these things, um, but uh, the example the guy was giving that they're playing golf, and the guy is one of his mates has gone off to the side and on a phone call. And one of the other guys asks, you know, is he in trouble with his wife? And he says, no, he's just trying to tell his boss that he's busy or keep his boss thinking that he's busy. And I thought, yeah, I mean, it's not so much we do that, but, you know, I have been, uh, and this was still back in the day of, of being in the office five days a week. I remember being in an audit and they moved the audit day to a day that was a holiday here in the UK. And I said, look, I booked a golf thing and I'm not skipping the golf. So if you want me to be on the audit, I'll sit, I'll walk around the whole course with the headphones on and I'll answer questions, but I'm playing golf. <laughs> and I did that. I mean, I walked, you know, 18 holes and I played one of the best golf games I've played. Um, and I participated in the audit. And and I was joking with the the, the partner that I had, you know, I'm not ignoring you. Uh, I'm I'm doing, I'm being audited right now or my company's been audited. Uh, I was an internal audit, so it's not that, you know, it was, you know, marking your own homework in some respects. Um, but he kept saying, you know, every time I, every time I got distracted, I take my headphones out and talk to him. I played worse golf, and he kept saying, "No, just keep your headphones in and, ca- and carry on playing." Um, and that was, you know, uh, when I read this, I was like, "Yeah, okay, I can, I can see that." But I think there is a level of of people that do take the liberty because the technology exists that they can go and do a, um, you know, seven hours of having fun and and only do one hour's worth of work. Um, and it's very difficult unless you've got the technology, some sort of mechanism to to figure this stuff out. I'm not saying monitoring, because monitoring is not really all of it. I think there's a bit of figuring it out. You can't really tell if someone's, you know, not doing something or doing something. Um, even if you think that someone in the office can sit there all day long and do nothing as well, you don't have to be outside the office to do nothing. Um, I don't know what you thought about this article. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. It made me think of all the, you know, all the managers who really want people back in the office seeing this headline and feeling very justified. Like, yes, there are people who are slacking off because they're not visible, you know, and I think it's always a, there's kind of a spectrum of it, right? Like um, who who decides what is a acceptable use of an employee's break time or anything like that. Um, because one of the examples that gave in the article as well was, uh, I think, going on a walk for an hour, which is something I'll do, um, you know, walk 30 minutes to an hour in the middle of the work day. It doesn't mean I'm not, I'm still working an eight hour day, you know, but that's just something that because I'm not commuting anymore in the morning, in the um, afternoon, I take the middle of the day to get some exercise in, which, you know, improves my you know, mental, mental and physical well-being, I think makes me a better employee overall. So I thought that was kind of an interesting example of like, 
shirking on the job because that's not something I would consider. I hope most people wouldn't think of something like that as um, irresponsible. Well, and, and, and I don't see anything wrong with that. I mean, I do that not every day, but most days. I'll go for a walk during the day, and mine, mine are usually 20, 30 minutes. Sometimes, sometimes it's a run. Um, and I and I find that as a good, very good way to break the day up. Um, also, if you're thinking about something and you need, you know, there's you could you could brute force it by stand, staring at a screen trying to do it, or you can go for that walk and let, let process. And you know, I listen to podcasts and all the rest. And sometimes you listen to a podcast and you're really just thinking about the work thing, and you solve the work thing. Now you want to get back home to do the thing. Um, so I think there's there's definitely value, and, and there is science that that backs up that getting out of the uh, office for a walk in the sun, especially, uh, is good for you. Uh, so I think it's I think it's the right thing to do. In fact, it's something that that you know my previous company and this company we asked you know tell people to go for a walk. You know, don't feel like you have to work eleven hours behind a desk. Go for a walk. Go to gym. You know, spend t- a little time with your kids. Whatever it is. Um, because you're only really going to expect, I mean, any, anyone who, who thinks you get more than this, you only really get six hours productivity out of a person anyway a day. Um, mental mental stuff. Uh, you can do a lot of calls and, and stuff like that. But if, you, if you're really looking for um, quality work, after about six hours, it starts to degrade, no matter how, how much you stimulate yourself with you know, caffeine or, or you know, whatever else. Um, six hours is what you expect. So as long as you're doing your six hours of good work, Use the other time. It'll be balanced. I think it's I think it's worthwhile. Yeah, I think so. I think um, you know, there's just some of this is just shifting when we're talking about remote work and office work, which this article was broader than that. It was talking about um really all sectors. They brought up restaurant workers, mm-hmm. for example. But just going back to the kind of office worker example, if you think about um being in the office and getting up to go to the fancy office coffee machine and taking five, 10 minutes to have that make your coffee and then going back to your desk, you know, that's maybe a 15 minute break. But if you're at home and you throw in a load of laundry and that takes you five minutes and then you, you know, when it dings that it's done, you you go and you move it to the dryer. Is that, um, you know, it's the same for things that are the same amount of time just because it's a different action or something that is, um, we talk a lot about, you know, integrated working, integrating your work and your life tasks. Um, it's not uh, it's not taking up any more time. It's just a different type of break. And I think that still makes some people kind of uncomfortable, I guess. It doesn't seem like it's a work thing. So why would you be doing it during your work day? Yeah, it's a it's a guilt thing. It's a guilt thing. I mean, I I, I still struggle with this. If, I, if I've got work to do, like now today, you know, nine to nine to six, um, there's some admin stuff that I do for the house. I always feel guilty about doing it. Um, but then you sort of think, well, when else would you do it? Because the best time to make phone calls to a company will be during work time. Uh, and I remember, you know, in the various companies I worked in, especially as a youngster. You know, my first because most of my career up until, up until my first real job was always do my own thing. So I'd be a consultant, or I'd build something for someone, or whatever it was. So I was always managing my time. Um, and if I had a project to build, you know, I was working on that thing 
flat out. Um, you know, not sleeping. You know, I built an application once. I watched all the James Bond movies uh, while I was working on it. You know, so I can tell you how long it took because you can just take all the twenty-two movies and put them together in sequence, and that's how long it took to build it. Um, so, so there was no such thing in those days for me. I mean, look, I was an eighteen-year-old, seventeen-year-old, so there were no life pressures to deal with. But that's that's how I went into the working force. Is that you know, if you go get something done, nothing else matters till that thing's done. Um, and I actually get very frustrated with people like I'd have a meeting, it'd be something urgent, and then I'd walk out and the guy goes, uh, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll work with that later. I was going to phone my, my car insurance guy and renegotiate my quote. I'd be like, that's not important. Like, this piece of work's important. And um, it took me a long time to to get over that. And I think that's what what makes this new way of working in some respects for a lot of people difficult is they don't know what those boundaries are. Uh, like you say, if you take it, if you look at a smoker, a smoker goes outside, has a cigarette. You know, it, it's a cigarette that takes a couple minutes. It's the walk outside, it's the walk back inside. Um, you know, that's that's a lot of breaks in a day if they if they if they smoke a lot. Uh, how is that? Why is that not a guilt thing? Because they're in the office versus the person who's you know cleaning the house, doing their laundry, um, doing their filing, whatever it is, packing their clothes away, which are, which are all things that give them time later, but also work on the back of their mind if they're not doing it. You know, why do you, why do we feel guilty about that stuff? I think it's just a, uh, we let ourselves feel guilty for it, and we shouldn't. As long as your work's getting done, and as long as the employer's getting what they, they're paying you for as, a, as an output, um, it should be results-driven. Yeah, I think that's what we keep coming back to as well, is that, you know, ultimately, if it's affecting the quality of their work, there needs to be a way, you need to have things in place where you're measuring that. And if you don't, um, you know, that points to probably something that should have been there to begin with is some way of assessing performance that's a bit more objective, right? So besides just, oh, they seem present, they have a good personality, they must be doing a good job. You know, that's a very different thing. So, um yeah, and I, and I think and I think asynchronous work. In fact, um, oh, who's the CEO of uh, of Microsoft? What's his name? Uh, Satya Nadella. Yes, he was on a, on a podcast the other day. He was saying this as well. Is that where Microsoft is going? They're enabling asynchronous work, and that's the and that's the work that I think we need to get into the work style. Just because you send an email doesn't mean you should get a response straight away. Just because you send a, a Teams message doesn't mean you should get a response to, straight away. Um, what it should mean is that the person that needs to pick it up can pick it up in their time to respond to it. Now, if it does mean that you have to get a call together and, and then all that kind of stuff, you know, you'll arrange those things. That's what adults should be doing. Um, but the point is that if you've put something out there, and if you look at these daily emails you get from, from Microsoft, if you're on an Office 365 platform, um, they're going through your email and they're looking for all the tasks, all the outstanding actions in your email that you've sent out so you can keep track. And it's, and it's that kind of stuff. So you sent someone an email last week, Monday, they haven't replied to you and it's now Tuesday. Um, you now get an email from Microsoft saying, do you want to follow up with Heather about this thing? And you say, yes, I do. No, I don't. You know, maybe, maybe it was an open-ended thing and there was no follow-up or maybe you already had a call about it. So it's already been dealt with, but at least they're picking it up for you. So your mental, your mental fatigue is not there. So I think that's quite an interesting play to move down the asynchronous route. And I think that's, um, if you can get, especially like my, like my team is from Australia now to 
um, Washington State. So we are plus 10, minus 11 time zone. So almost almost exactly across the, the board. There's no way that I can have everyone collaborate together at the same time. It's just impossible now. Even if we alternate, you know, one hour early, one hour late, that, that still doesn't work. So we have to figure out asynchronous ways of working. Um, and that's, and I think that's where the tooling has to update. Um, and little tricks like this from Microsoft are really useful. Um, in that sense, I think that they're on the right track. Yeah, those, um, I think it's part of Viva, Viva Insights maybe. I think the more that kind of stuff gets automated and it takes off that mental load is really nice. It's definitely, you know, you're having a meeting and, you know, these documents might be related. Um, then yeah, that, that I, I really like that part of um, Outlook. But yeah, I have teammates as well who start for the most part of who I work with. There's people who start five hours five hours before me, and 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 people who end three hours after. So when I'm going, if I take my thirty minute, forty five minute walk in the middle of the day, I'm probably still working a little bit earlier or later than my time zone. Um, so that's part of it too. But I also will, um, you know, it's if it's after if it's afternoon my time, that means it's five p.m. for the folks in Ireland, or if it's before noon my time, that means it's um, you know very early. Or if you know it's the start of my day, it's really early for the folks on the west coast. So what I'll do is use Slack message scheduling. Usually for Slack, I haven't played around with it too much for email, but it's useful that way too. But particularly for instant message, I've been trying to be mindful about, I'll just schedule the message. Um, because what I, what I don't like is when I send something and I know it's, you know, 10 PM in someone else's time zone and they reply granted, like everyone should be able to manage their work, how they want to. I just don't want anyone to feel obligated to reply to a message just because I'm sending it at a time that makes sense for me. Yeah, there was a, um, to name. Uh, she wrote the book Grit. She has a signature, which I wanted to put on my signature. I haven't done it yet, but I'm going to do it now that I remembered again today. Um, you put a signature on your email that says this, just because I've sent this email now, doesn't mean I require a response in my working hours. You can respond in your own working hours, something like that. Some not nicely way of phrasing that. Um, and I think that's, that's what we have to give everyone permission that it's okay to not be available 24 um, seven. I've noticed that with, with people, more now um, that they're signing out of Teams at the end of their day. Um, I don't because there's too many devices to sign out of. Um, but, you know, I, and, and it's a habit to check just in case something's happened, which is a very bad habit. Uh, but I've, I've noticed how many people are signing out. So there's actually not a lot of, not a lot of traffic um, to deal with. Now, when I've worked for other organizations, um, you can be on online 24-7. There's always something to be involved in. And if you're online, someone will always pick you up. So you've, got to, you've really got to set those boundaries um, and stick to them yourself. I mean, it's a self-discipline thing too. And I think that's something that's also, uh, I was explaining this to, my, to someone the other day, um, about this guilt as well. So, so you feel guilty for doing your housework during work time, but you don't feel guilty about checking email on the weekend or checking your, your team chats or or doing a, a PowerPoint presentation on the weekend, you know, when you should be doing something with the family, you know, you don't, I, well, I don't feel guilty about it, but, but that's the thing is you can, it's got to work both ways. Um, and I think that's, that's coming back to this more fluid way of working or living 
um, because you're home, you're saving the time of commuting. Because you, you know the other thing is, uh, and then we're, sorry, I'm going on a, on a on a daisy chain of ideas here. There was a thing about does your commute count as part of your workday or not? Um, and and I don't know what the right answer is, but in theory, the minute you leave your door and you take the train to go to work, that's part of your workday. Um, so even if you're working a nine to six, if you add the commute on, it's actually a seven till eight. You know that's that's eleven hours. Um, and I don't think I don't think a lot of people see it that way. It's, it's almost been accepted for a long time that the commute was your own time or kind of shared time because you could do what you want on your commute. But technically, you wouldn't be doing that commute if you weren't working. Yeah. No, I think most companies in the U.S. would say that the attitude is definitely that your commute is not part of your workday, um, which, yeah, it's interesting. It's, it's, it gets blurry and blurrier with technology, right? Because if you, it could be part of your workday, like let's say you're, you're driving into the office and you have an early morning call and you take that first call on the phone in your car, you know? that's kind of part of your work day. But if you, you know, if you're taking the train and you can answer emails, it's like, what's the, what's the line in terms of what you can count as integrated working? Um, well, I think there was actually a thing about it here in the UK and I can't remember what the actual result was. I think it's in the European Union thing as well. I mean, I, I have always, and this is where, um, again, comes back to mindset. I've always seen any action the minute I check an email first thing in the morning, my day started work-wise. Um, not that I'm saying I'm putting in 12 hours a day or 14 hours a day continuous work, but but it's the start of the day. And then at the end of the day, it's the last time I check. Now, I have gotten into the good habit of not checking everything at 10 o'clock at night because I know that'll keep me awake if there's something there. But I do like have a, an 8 o'clock last check, uh, maybe 8.30, and then I, then I don't check it again. Um but that, you know, if you take that from six in the morning till eight o'clock at night, you know, that's a long day. Um, and sometimes it will be something that you'll see at eight o'clock at night that you're like, oh, I better get, I just better do this one thing. Um, you know, my wife will shout at me, time to go to bed, and I'll be working on an email for an hour and a half that I had to write that explain something or something like that. It, it happens, and those those should be the exception, not the rule. Um, and there are going to be days that those things happen. So, be it. Um, which is why I find those loafing things so interesting, because. I don't think it's a case of people are loafing. I think it's a case of trying to find direction and a way of working in this new way that suits what they do. Um, and in some cases, it's difficult for both the manager and for the employee because the manager also doesn't know what the boundaries are to be pushing you know, back on. Yeah, I think it's a new, we're coming out with a new set of expectations and I wonder if this is going to, be part of you know employee handbooks going forward like the some do's and don'ts or just like workplace etiquette um but it does feel like it would be useful to have you know and it could just be between you know someone and their manager right to have these open conversations about you know what kind of um maybe being at the golf course on a full normal work day to just answer a call to seem like you're busy is not, uh, that's not really working. But um, if you, you know, like want to go for a walk or throw your laundry in or, you know, tuck your kids in or whatever it is that you don't need to 
feel guilty or like irresponsible for doing so. No, and, I, and often my walks, I, I make phone calls. If I'm on a podcast, mm-hmm. podcast, I'll catch up with people, phone them, whatever it is. And, you know, a lot of the areas that I walk are very quiet, so you can do that. Um, and then I feel like that's the win. I mean, I have talked to, to my wife about getting a, 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 um, an under-the-desk, um, what do you call those things? Treadmill. Uh, but I think there's, there's importance to getting out, especially like now, it's, you know, I'm staring out my window and it's very sunny. You know, I'm definitely going to go for a walk after this call because um, it's a lovely sunny day and I can make two phone calls and that's productive. Uh, I get my walk in and I get two phone calls in and the person I'm talking to, um, whether they care or not about me walking, probably you know, they, might, they might say, uh, but I probably empower them to do the same thing. Um, and if everyone's healthier, uh, you get more work done. Which I think is another, another point for all of this, mental health and, and physical health. Yeah, definitely. No, I actually like that idea of scheduling a walking meeting. That would be a there fun thing a, to do. Mm. Yes, and, and, I, and I think there's a, um, I want to say it's a Japanese thing, um, but I might be wrong in this, but there's a, there was a thing about some, I can't remember which company it was. Um, all the meeting rooms are cocktail tables. So there's no seats. So meetings are really quick and you have to stand. Um which I think is great because I think we spend, you know, I, I've been, it's funny, last week, for two weeks, I've been sitting at a, de- at a at the dining table and back's been killing me. This week and a bit of last week, I've built a standing desk downstairs and I've been standing, my back pain is gone. Um, and, I, and, and that's, you know, just a simple, a simple change that, um, you know, it's, it's those little things that make things better. And plus, you know, I find the minute you start standing, you think differently. Um, and, and, and there's a difference. I think there's still a difference between like standing and talking is better than sitting and talking. And I think sitting and working is better than standing and working. And I don't know, there's no science behind this. This is my opinion. I, I find that to be true as well. I'd usually, I have a standing desk and I usually try to stand for calls and sit when I'm, especially writing. I find anything that um, if I'm standing and I notice like something's uncomfortable, it kind of breaks me from my flow. But I'm <laughs> glad you brought up Japan because this is something that I was thinking about as well. It's just, um, you know, for a long time, right, we've just had cultural differences in the way that different countries work differently. And now that more and more organizations are you know, thinking about working for a global organization um, and how some of these new things, you know, are I guess just different um, cultural um, shifts as well, but I think I think it's Japan, right? Where um, after lunch people take a nap. Is that Japan? Uh, I can't uh, remember. There's some country Japan, where it could be could be Spain, you know, siesta, Mexico. Mm. Um, some might exist in a few cultures, but just I can't imagine in the U.S. like coming back from lunch and people are slumped over their desks taking a break but it you know facebook has nap pods and a lot of tech companies will have stuff like that so it's all just a matter of like yeah office well, culture i mean it's funny you mentioned i'm speaking at an event next week an event event for a whole bunch of cios and i was talking to one of the um leaders that'll be doing it with me and i made a joke about you know how can you go back into an office that's open plan um 
with worse worse kit than you've got at home. You know, provided you've got the the means, obviously. Um, you know, I've got you got a private room at home. Uh, I've got you know I've kitted out all my stuff because I'm a technologist, um, and I take my ten minute nap at two o'clock every day. Now I can't do that. How can you how are you going to bring me back to an office where it's open plan, it's noisy, I don't have my nap time? And I mean, I'm talking about a you know full on sleep. I do a ten minute meditation. I'm not going to do that at my desk. All those things go out the window. So your productivity goes out the window. Um, and also, and, and, and that nap time, I mean, I can understand if it's, if it's Japan, because those guys push long hours. And your brain needs it. I mean, Da Vinci and those people, those sort of, you know, Lord geniuses, all took naps. In fact, some of them slept um, in the poly, uh, polyphasic sleeping, which was like 20 minutes every three hours. Um, so they could do all the stuff they wanted to do. So I think it's, an, you know, we, we, we're becoming a lot more aware of what the human body can do, and it's not a machine. Um, and a lot of these work practices were based on a factory mindset based on machines. Um, and, you know, when you unpick all those things, it makes no sense to be working factory 40 hours a week, eight hours a day, five days a week. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it's a good thing that, we're having these conversations now and that people are kind of setting boundaries. And yes, there is this power shift where people are less fearful of being let go because, you know, labor uh, is in demand. But at the same time, we've seen productivity continue to increase. So I think it's a stretch to say that, you know, everyone's just loafing all the time and no one cares anymore. I mean, most of everyone I work with, you know, people I, I talk to every day can tell how incredibly hard people are working. It doesn't matter where they are. So um, I think it's good that we can have more boundaries <laughs> and, and integrate with our lives. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's a, a strong pull from leadership to bring people back to an office. And, and I think the one thing which, which does make sense to me is around the energy. So if you've got an office full of people, and they're all pulling together, you can feel the energy. And if you bring a customer and there's no one there, um, they don't, don't see that. Now, that's not to say that I, you should all be in the office to be like rent a crowd um, to, to make the energy. But I think there's a level of, you know, like we got, we got our CEO coming out next week, so we're all going to be in the office Monday, Tuesday. But that's, that's constructive. You know, we, you know, he hasn't met most of us face-to-face, so we're going to go do that. One or two days of a month going to an office, is not a train smash, and it doesn't. You know, I don't think you need to keep the office open as as a you know a huge space for those one to two months. I think that's where co working spaces and, and all that stuff makes sense. The other thing with that that sort of energy thing, um, I think there's it goes two ways. Uh, if you force people in, then they won't bring the energy. But if you let them have the choice, um, and this comes down to you know, the way we talk to people, the way we treat them, uh, I think you'll get more out of people, more loyalty by giving them the flexibility to make those decisions, which makes retention and, and attraction of new staff and, and new hires easier. Absolutely. I think it's so individual too. I mean, you talk about energy in the office. That just makes me think, have flashbacks to like noisy open office spaces and having to wear noise canceling headphones all day because I'm someone who's super, if I'm in the zone, right, I need like dead silence. So those kind of environments were a bit of a nightmare for me productivity wise, because I was always 
distracted by people moving around or having side conversations or someone's phone going off or the coffee machine going or whatever it was. I think um, I just want to push back a little bit on the idea that there's like this energy force that just makes things better. I mean, I think it is, it's nice to kind of come together and have the, I guess, collaboration and camaraderie and um, feel like you're part of a team in that way, but it, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're more productive. Yeah, I mean, there, there is an argument for, for new people, graduates, et cetera, to be around people in the office to get the culture. Um, I mean, I've worked in companies where I've started from day one and I've been remote for like eight months, nine months. And the only way to get information that is to be on the phone with people in other countries to learn. And I think that it's not it's not the best way to do it, but I think it's possible. Um, but I think you've got to have that, that balance with the meetups. You've got to have... Um, you know, once a quarter, once every two months, whatever it is, people get together and, and go for lunch, not necessarily come into the office just to sit in the office, but go for lunch and talk to each other and, or, or you know, do small little team building things. Um, they don't have to be completely orchestrated, but you've got to break the barriers somehow. Yeah, and I think we've talked about this as well, right, is that one of the hardest parts about working fully remotely is finding ways to form social relationships and that things like virtual happy hours or games is like well-intended as they are, don't necessarily create the environment where you can have natural conversations as you would in an office, just, you know, saying hello and goodbye to people during the day or talking by, you know, the water cooler, whatever it is. So I, I think you're right that there's, um, it's tough to be fully remote and to never meet people because you're just never going to have a certain level of social interaction that can just help make working relationships more comfortable because you feel a little bit more um, like you know a person a little bit better. Yeah, look, uh, uh, I mean, I think that's very important. And that's one of the reasons why I'm, I'm very excited to meet some of the guys next week because I haven't met them in person. Is, is that establishes the the baseline relationship. Um, even when I worked in, in other organizations, you know, with the, with the U.S. or in the Asia office, I always try to get one trip in at least to one of those locations to meet people because then those then the conference calls and the face calls and, you know, Skype for Business in those days are a little bit easier because you've, you've had a chat face-to-face and the body languages are, your brains already have connected. Um, and also, if you've, if you've gone out to see them, um, I'm pretty sure there's a there's a, a, a social thing about this, but by going out to see them, they respect you for coming. So you can have a deeper conversation because you've, you've built a bridge, um, which I don't think you always do over video. Um, but, you know, who knows how this, this all plays out. Maybe, maybe we start getting into a, a cycle where um, – People travel more because they could, they got the flexibility to work work wherever they want, and you build your relationships that way. But but both traveling to a place to see each other, but also to experiment with the place because that becomes normal. You know, I'm going to be in Japan next week in Okinawa. You go, oh, me too. Yeah, okay. Well, let's let's meet for dinner while we're there. I've got the wife and kids with me. I don't, you know, whatever it is. Um, and you just cross paths while you carry on in your own adventure. Yeah, that is. That is interesting. Um, lots of possibilities for how how things could 
for how this will all play out. But um, I think things are overall moving, moving in a more positive direction in terms of uh, not being the work robots, as you have said. Yeah. Cool. We've had a good chat. Uh, time to end there, I think. Yeah. I'll let you go on your right. on your walk. Thanks, Heather. Talk to you later. Okay. Bye. Yes, Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Heather Bicknell is our producer and editor. Thank you, Heather, for your hard work on this episode. Please subscribe to the series and rate us on iTunes or the Google Play Store. Follow us on Twitter at the DWW Podcast. The show notes and transcripts will be available on the website, www.digitalworkspace.works. Please also visit our website, www.digitalworkspace.works, and subscribe to our newsletter. And lastly, if you found this episode useful, please share with your friends or colleagues.